Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. In 2017, a weirdly shaped rock with a strangely erratic orbit swept through the solar system, leaving as quickly as it arrived. Astronomers soon realized that it wasn't from around here. It was a mystery. The strange rock punched through Earth's orbital plane from the top down, like a dart thrown at the concentric rings of a dartboard. It moved super fast, way too quickly to be caught in the sun's gravity. It was also extremely dark and seemed oddly elongated. In a NASA JPL video, Paul Chodas of NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies describes it. We think this object, 2017 U1, is very long, perhaps 400 meters or so long, and very narrow, skinny, perhaps maybe 40 meters or so in the other dimensions. That's a very unusual shape. We don't see that in our solar system. None of the asteroids in our solar system look like that. But because it was so speedy, many of its properties will forever remain a mystery. The object was the first interstellar asteroid ever observed, says Chodas in that same NASA JPL video. This object is simply a piece of another solar system that was expelled and it has been traveling through interstellar space for hundreds of millions of years, billions of years, we don't know. Researchers named the asteroid Oumuamua for the Hawaiian word scout. The discoverers wanted to embody the idea of a messenger from the distant past reaching out to us. The appearance of Oumuamua represents a giant shift in astronomy, the recognition that the solar system doesn't exist in a vacuum, at least metaphorically. Michelle Bannister is an expert on planet formation at Queen's University, Belfast. These things are part of systems where they are interacting and providing each other with the past generations of systems feed into affecting the current generation of systems. And what happens in the current generation of systems will affect the future systems. And we see this with stars. You know, it's very well understood with supernovae and heavy element enrichment. The star formation history of galaxies changing over time is well understood. We should be thinking about this for planetary systems as well. This sort of interaction is even in the vast jets of gas flowing through interstellar space to Oumuamua-style planetoid crumbs scattered like dandelion seeds in the wind. Paul Byrne is a planetary geologist at North Carolina State University. We're beginning to get a sense of you know, what size these things are and how many there are and where they might live. And then that feeds into all these much more complicated models as to how solar systems form as a whole, including things like planetary migration. The new ideas sprouting out of this work have begun to offer potential answers to various exoplanetary mysteries. For example, planets appear to hatch much earlier in the life of a star than astrophysicists thought possible. Plus, enormous planets appear to grow out of relatively small amounts of gas and dust. It's a loaves and fishes trick on an astronomical scale. And astronomers are trying to understand the scarcity of planets just a little bit bigger than Earth. All of this points to the stark fact that planetary scientists still don't have a full understanding of how planets are made. Sure, there are lots of models, but they're incomplete. 
Now, disparate disciplines are coming together with ideas. So researchers are starting to get a firmer handle on the planet-making process, even though they keep learning so many more new things. At a 2018 meeting in Switzerland about Oumuamua, Michelle Bannister and Suzanne Falsner sat down together during a coffee break. Here's Falsner. So we had been discussing over the day the abundance of these objects. Bannister wrote one of the early papers about Oumuamua. Falsner is an astronomer at the Julisch Research Center in Germany. My main interest is the influence of our environment on the formation of planetary systems, basically the other stars. So I'm used to see planetary systems as part of a bigger thing. So obviously something happened in my brain overnight at breakfast when we were talking about them. (laughs) It suddenly came into my mind, if they are so abundant, they must do something to planet formation. And they must come in from outside when you form stars and the planetary disks around them. Falsner casually asked Bannister what would happen if some Oumuamua-like object from interstellar space came through the disk surrounding a young star. Bannister remembers sitting there. Susan mentions, like, what's the effect of all these things? <laughs> you know, what does an interstellar object do if it gets in a disk? Bannister thought about it for a minute. Oumuamua is big enough to make a ripple in a roiling cloud of dust and gas. And we just kind of looked at each other and I was like, (laughs) this has to be an important. And so we sat down and started thinking that draft through that day. Bannister says over the next couple of months, they worked through the details together. And the more I was looking at this, the more I couldn't believe that someone hadn't already thought of this in about 1992. Because it seems like... You never think that you're going to have an idea that's actually original. Bannister and Falsner published a paper last year in the Astrophysical Journal Letters. They argue that rocks like Oumuamua might be catalysts for planet formation. Bannister and Falsner say there are probably billions of them sailing through the cosmos. When one intersects with a billowing envelope of gas and dust surrounding a young star, it might cause turbulence and shear that stirs the gas. That sculpts it into patterns that later form planets. Bannister and Falsner also argue that Oumuamua-like items might move at the right speed to become permanent residents. Infant solar systems could catch great numbers of these interstellar travelers. In their new homes, these immigrants would begin to gather small pebbles and dust grains, growing into larger objects. In doing so, they would provide the building blocks for pebble accretion, a theory that explains how large objects can grow quickly into planets. Falsner says it starts with quite a small amount. So It's not a huge amount of mass. It's more their presence in the disk that would trigger it. You know, having just a few... It's not the mass. It's a seed. It's kind of like you can grow a huge tree and it starts from a tiny seed. So it's not the mass of the seed. It's just potential. Recent observations from telescopes show that planets form very rapidly around young stars. This seems odd, based on what astronomers know about planet formation. But Bannister says it's possible that interlopers are helping out. Yet, These ideas only come into play if there happen to be a ton of Oumuamua-like objects sailing through the universe. It's nearly impossible to find them directly. They're dark and small and untethered from stars, like gnats above the ocean on a moonless night. 
But many astronomers believe that they're common. Here's planetary geologist Paul Byrne. If you look at what Oumuamua is, there's no way it is the first interstellar visitor to our solar system. It is the first one we've observed. And there's no way it's the only one, which means there's probably loads of them, which is their point that these things are probably super common. In 2018, researchers identified eight hyperbolic comets that could have originated around a different star. And in April of last year, Amir Siraj and his advisor, Avi Loeb, an astronomer at Harvard, argued that a meteorite that burned up in Earth's atmosphere in 2014 likely came from outside the solar system as well. Here's Paul Byrne again. The fact that they offer this means of which you can start to accrete stuff means that this has to be, I think, a plausible thing we need to add into our understanding of how these bodies grow. Bannister says the notion of planet seeds could even explain why no one has found extremely ancient planets around the earliest stars in the galaxy. In the current generation of stars, we can form planets rapidly. Maybe it didn't work that way in the early history of the galaxy. We didn't have enough things. Because this is a low-efficiency process that we're proposing. You start with a thousand trillion objects per cubic parsec, and you end up with 10 million in the disk. It's the barest, tiny, minuscule fraction that survive into a new planetary system. If these Oumuamua-like rocks can explain both why planets in the distant past were rare and why planets today form so quickly, that raises a new question. Where did the first seeds come from? Gas and dust swirl around young stars in great thick disks, which are roiled with turbulence and filled with eddies. Somehow, in a process researchers don't understand, dust grains in these disks combine to form millimeter-sized rock particles called chondrules. These are a major ingredient in the solar system's most common form of space rock, and in chondrites, the most common form of meteorite that falls on Earth. Since chondrites are common, chondrules must have been a common ingredient when the planets were being forged. They were some of the first solids, and they helped date the solar system and its fundamental building blocks. Researchers have some ideas about how chondrules come together to form larger chondrites. But even with today's best computer simulations and the most fine-grained observations of other planetary systems, there's no consensus on how chondrules themselves form. It's as though the solar system were made of scores of brick houses— Researchers understand the process by which bricks come together to make a house, but what makes the bricks? Planetary scientist Sarah Stewart of the University of California, Davis, says part of the problem is that no model can satisfy all of chondrules' particular qualities. These tiny igneous blobs must have suddenly melted at temperatures as high as about 2,000 degrees Celsius, That's an extreme state that the best models of solar system formation have trouble reproducing. There are all sorts of ideas for how chondrules are formed. Lightning, chemical reactions resulting in a sort of spontaneous combustion, shockwaves from nearby supernova explosions, or even magnetic fields. Others have considered collisions of planetesimals like Oumuamua, gamma-ray bursts, or warmth from planetesimals that were still molten from stellar formation processes. Stewart proposes another possibility. 
She says gas flows caused by violent vaporizing collisions can shove together the smallest droplets of molten rock, which begin to combine. The idea combines astrophysics with planet formation processes in ways researchers haven't done before. Stewart studies a strange new planetary phase called Synestia, which she and Simon Locke, a planetary scientist now at Caltech, proposed in 2017 to describe the formation of the moon. A Synestia is a bloated cloud of vaporized rock shaped like a puffy bagel. In a Synestia, the material that made the Earth and moon would have thoroughly mixed, While fiddling with some of her code, Stewart realized that something similar could drive the precursors of chondrules together so they can combine. Think of it like pebbly biscuit batter that eventually forms a cohesive dough. The process would start with planetesimals, primordial pieces of rock surrounding the young sun. They might be interlopers like Oumuamua. Alternatively, they might have formed very soon after our star was born. Whatever their origin, they would be plentiful, and they would collide with each other inside a gas-filled solar nebula, like balls smashing against each other in a billiard game. When these primitive planetesimals collided, they would vaporize, and their vapor would expand into the still-hot solar nebula. This vaporization would happen with such heat and force that it would create a bow shock, That's similar to how an airplane causes a sonic shockwave when it blows through the sound barrier. The bow shock would push the nebula gases out, creating a central area of low pressure. Then, as the vapor plume collapsed to fill this area of low pressure, the gas flows would shepherd together the droplets of vaporized rock. The vapor plume expansion and its subsequent collapse would create droplets of silicate that are consistent with the sizes of chondrules. Stewart says you basically need the gas to blow the little pebbles together so they can collide and combine. Researchers continue to try to crack the mystery of the interstellar asteroid known as Oumuamua, trying to see what this messenger from the distant past has to tell us. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Rebecca Boyle's full article, Wandering Space Rocks Help Solve Mysteries of Planet Formation, on our website, quantummagazine.org. And did you know Quantum Magazine also has another podcast? Check out the first season of The Joy of X, hosted by mathematician and author Stephen Strogatz. Each episode is a window into the inner world of a top-tier scientist or mathematician. Find The Joy of X wherever you listen to podcasts.